Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Yes, happy to be here, Vince Quinn, with you on CBS Sports Radio. We got a lot of things to get into because, I mean, college football, all sorts of crazy things, a lot of big stuff going on in the world of the NFL, trade deadlines coming up, a lot of good games on Sunday. By the way, on the East Coast and in England, where again, this is a very popular morning show, big time morning show. Uh, a lot of things to talk about as we get ready for Sunday. So, yes, I'm Vince Quinn. James Graceffo running the board, as always. Per- uh, Graceffo, what's going on, man? Hi, Vince. How are you? <laughs> so cheery today. As By the way, Graceffo's Jets started the week as a 21-point dog <laughs> against the Chiefs. Who says dreams are impossible? <laughs> you think they got a chance, Graceffo? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think there's a single man on the Jets roster that goes, you know, we're really going to take it to him on Sunday. <laughs> 21 points. Rally the troops. 21 point. I don't know spread. the last time that there's ever been a spread in an NFL game of 21 points. I think points. it's the expansion Buccaneers, honestly. Real? Yeah. The expansion yeah. Buccaneers? Now, oh, to my be fair, God. it's down to 19 and a half, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, a, a totally surmountable amount <laughs> 19 and a half points. But anyway, there's there's a lot of different things to get to. A lot of some of it's fun, uh d- depending on your side of the equation here, some of it is absolutely miserable. And we'll get to it in just a moment, but first we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. So, let's start with something that I mean, I got to be honest to me, this is kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Um Did you see what happened with Michigan? Because my goodness, Michigan came into this game, okay? They're ranked 13th in the country. You go, okay. You know, Jim Harbaugh, the defense. All right, well, here we go. Let's see what they can do this year. It's been a struggle for a while. But, hey, first week, they look great. Second week, you come in, it's Michigan State. Massively favored in this game, by the way. The same way that, and this is hope for Graceffo and the Jets, the same way that the Jets are favored to lose by 21 points against the Chiefs. Michigan State came into this game unranked and a 24-point underdog. 24 points. What do you know? Doesn't work out so well. Michigan State, 27. Michigan, 24. After the game, here's John Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh, excuse me. Team is going to own this. Own this. It's, uh, congratulations to Michigan State. Uh, but we got to own the, we got to own the, the loss and uh, come back and find out, uh, you know, where we can improve, uh, you know, where our, uh, this is a high character team and, uh, I believe they'll do just that. Yeah, this is a khaki-colored mess. And when you look at Jim Harbaugh and and where this is going, it doesn't help that in the quote he's stuttering through the we got to own this, and and it sounds like we got owned. He's like, we got owned, we got owned. And and it's like, uh uh-oh, Jim, this isn't helping your case at all, bud. And here's the thing. 
is it's not just the fact that Michigan just lost a game to a, point, a team that they were favored to beat by 24 points and only scored 24 points. Okay, it's the fact that the team they lost to is Michigan State, right? You're talking about the in-state rivalry. You talk about the recruiting that goes into that. And really, when you look at Jim Harbaugh and the big picture here at Michigan, it's just another reminder that this isn't working out. It's not good enough. And that's surprising because, again, for me, when this all first started, we go back six years ago. And I find out that Jim Harbaugh is going to coach Michigan. That was awesome. That was so exciting. I mean, how do you not get revved up about that? Whether you're a fan of just professional football, college football, Michigan State, uh, somebody in the MAC, whatever you're a fan of, to hear about Jim Harbaugh going to Michigan, that felt like something special. You knew what Michigan had been for quite some time, an underwhelming program, right? Coaches coming in and out. It wasn't working. So they get Jim Harbaugh, the alum of Michigan, this big story of a guy that is in NFC championship games that you could make the argument and San Francisco fans will that they were a faulty, uncalled pass interference call away from winning the Super Bowl. And so to have a coach like that with his status, with his track record, the success at Stanford, for him to go and travel to Michigan felt like a fairy tale. I mean, this is what it's all about. This is a great story. It writes itself. And when you look at Jim Harbaugh, it's just not good enough. That's the thing. The, the ultimate run of this, and, and you're going to point to different things. People who are fans of Michigan, or, or and maybe Michigan's a split room and they should be. But for the people that are Harbaugh defenders, if you will, they're going to say things like, well, Vince, he wins a lot of games. He's winning like 10 games a year. Okay. But who's he losing to? Well, he's losing to the teams that matter, right? This is college football. This is the top-notch program. This is the blue blood, right? You're supposed to be able to come in year after year after year and be in the mix with the best teams in college football. They're not, right? Michigan is one of those teams that you assume in the big matchup they're going to lose. Regardless of what the X's and O's might tell you, the track record is there. Under Jim Harbaugh, it's there. They lose the big game. Right now, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, 2-12 and 12 against top 10 teams. Right now, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, 0-5 oh against Ohio State. Games where they lose by scores of, you know, 63-34, to 34, getting absolutely embarrassed. It's totally unacceptable, right? Four straight bowl game losses, and now you get blown out. Well, no, not blown out, but you're supposed to win by 24, and you lose to Michigan State 27-24. I mean, what a mess this has been. You can get all the wins you want, but if you're not beating anybody significant for a program like this, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, there is a bar that has been set. There's an expectation that you have, and for Harbaugh, he's failed. Six years into his tenure, he's failed. I didn't expect this. You know, I certainly not. Because he's been in big games, he's done at the professional level. When he was at San Francisco, what they were before he got there and how quickly he turned them around was amazing. It was spectacular. I was blown away. And when he goes to Michigan the first year, you know, he turns things around. You could see a real program coming together. This was the start of something legitimate. And since then, it just hasn't been there. I mean, it's been a long time since you look at Michigan and you know that they're a good program. They're not. They're a pretender. 
And so to see it at this point, I mean, the question is, because, again, 48 and 18 right now, 727 win percentage. Overall, you go, okay, he's won a lot of games. If you're Michigan, you're running the program, you're the AD, you're going, well, he's won a lot of games. You know, maybe the ticket revenue is good. Do you reinvest in Jim Harbaugh? Is that a guy you want? I mean, if you're a college football fan, would you want Jim Harbaugh as the coach of your program, knowing what he does against big teams? Is that who you want? Losing the bowl games, losing to Ohio State all the time. Is that what you want? Is that what you're investing in? Is that what you're excited for? Like, those are the kinds of things that you have to start thinking about. His contract is up after the end of next year, and if he loses big games this year, he's got other losses like Michigan State up his sleeve this year. Maybe this is the last year. I mean, just how long can you go on with this when it clearly doesn't work? 855-212-4227. That's how you join. 855-212-4227. Part of the question is why, right? Why? Why hasn't it worked? Because the defense, and, and this is the funny thing, you go back and you look at the defense over the past couple of years, the numbers are great. Points per game, yards per game, like they're good. They do a good job. They're, they're a top five unit more often than not. And to see that and how it translates all these big games, these big blowout losses, knowing that Jim Harbaugh is a defensive coach, it's, it's kind of shocking. So they keep coming up flat. Their best part of the ball isn't able to get them through the big games. The offense hasn't been good enough. And one of the things that you start to wonder is, is he better off even being in college? I mean, really? Is Jim Harbaugh meant to be a college coach at this point? Is that where he should be? Did he make a mistake? Because, yes, he burned out of San Francisco. He didn't lose his way out of San Francisco. He just burned his way out. They got tired of him. They, they said, we got to get rid of this guy. It's just, it's too much. He's too exhausting. In that sense, he seemed built for college. But when he goes to a blue blood program and he can't win those big games, and you're at the point that you're at now, you see how the league is changing, how the sport is changing, spreading the field, guys zipping around, running quarterbacks are the norm, not the exception. And with that being the case, is is he outdated? You know, those are the kinds of things that I wonder about. Does it hold up enough? How great of a coach is he? He's a good coach. He's clearly a good coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but is he a great coach? Is he better in the college game? Is he better in the NFL? 855-212-4227. For me, if he's going to make it anywhere, he's got to go back to the NFL. That's what he's got to do. I don't know how good he's going to be there, but he's got to go back to the NFL. This is the chance for him to give himself new life. You know, because think about it. When it goes to Michigan, the stock is hot, baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is Jim Harbaugh we're talking about. What a scoop, right? The status, the buzz, the excitement. But after six years at Michigan, you go, eh, I don't know. Uh, not exactly. Would he get a job at a big-time program? Yeah. Is he first on the list? I don't think so. And that's the kind of stuff you have to consider. Now, I, I am curious, like, Graceffo, because we talked about this a little bit. I mean, what do you make of the Jim Harbaugh experience right now? What do you think the move is for him, for Michigan? Like, where do you sit with all this? Um, I have a hard time killing Jim Harbaugh just simply because look what you had before him. It was Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. So, yeah. obviously, you know, they want to pound the desk and pound pound their furniture and say, fire Jim Harbaugh buy out the contract, get rid of him. Remember where you were. Just have a just have some perspective. Remember where you were. Now obviously things haven't worked out to 
the greatest extent of where they want to be. But again, you could always go back to where you were, where you could be totally irrelevant, like they were before you got there, and you'd be begging for Lloyd Carr to come back. Well, yeah, they, they could get to the point where it falls off a cliff, but I, I guess part of the question is, is it worth the risk? I mean, are you better off staying with Jim Harbaugh or taking the risk that you can get better? Could Do you think they could actually hire somebody better? That's the question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I, I would assume they can, right? I mean, you think of the money that they went and they threw to Jim Harbaugh initially. I think he's making like $8 million a year or something like that. Big-time money, big-time program. Like, if I was right now, if I was Michigan, I'm looking at Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers and what's going on there, and I'm calling that guy. I'm absolutely—he is number one on my list right now. I mean, to get a young guy that just did it with LSU, just did it with Joe Burrow, clearly an offensive mastermind. This guy's doing it at the next level right away with a decent team. How do you not give that guy a call? Like, would if they can get a Joe Brady or somebody like some hot offensive coordinator? I think that's the way you got to go. Then again, you're saying I'm going to put this 32-year-old man in charge of Michigan football. It's a big step. It is. And again, and it's like, and it's a guy who's been in the NFL more than he's been in college. He's a he was a passing game coordinator for the Saints long before he mm-hmm. ever went to LSU. So his roots are in the NFL. But it did work. It, it did work in college, and so maybe you go and take that leap. Because here's the thing: one, if you're a Michigan fan. And you've been following everything with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, is this the experience you want to keep as they lose to Michigan State, as they've lost to big teams, as they've lost to bowl games, all that different stuff? Is this the guy you want to keep around? And if you're somebody else in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, whatever, uh, do you look at this and go, you know, I kind of hope he stays? And that's the thing that fascinates me. I wonder. Oh, if you're definitely keep hoping around. he stays. If you're Ohio State, of course you're hoping well, then, Jim Harbaugh yeah, stays. I mean, that's a pretty. But big you have to look at right? it from the Michigan side of the coin as well. Is like, where are we going to get better? Where are we going to go? Who are we going to hire? It's not like you're going to poach someone else's big time coach. It's not going to happen. Like these guys have massive buyouts, just like Jim Harbaugh does, by the way, which Michigan will have to pay. Yeah. So it's a lot of straight cash, homie. If they decide to. <laughs> cast off Jim Harbaugh, you know, they're not going to get a Dabo Swinney. They're not going to get a Nick Saban. They're not going to get an Ed Orgeron. They're not going to get these guys because these guys are going to stay where they're at. Well, yeah, because they've developed programs that have been more successful than what Jim Harbaugh's done. So what's the, what's the point in them leaving? But can you get a guy that's in a smaller conference that's ready to take that next step and you be the place where he steps up to? I'm, yeah. Like so, somebody like a Matt Campbell, for instance? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's the kind of thing you think about. And then for Jim Harbaugh, again, it's whether it's worth it for him to take a downgrade and go to a program that's lesser than Michigan down the line here or whether it's better for him to just go back to the pros. And to me, he's got to go pro. Like, he's got to get himself back in there soon. Now, obviously, he's not getting fired yet. They, They could extend him for all I know. But when you see a loss like this, you're just reminded of where this program is, and it just hasn't worked out the way they wanted it to. He's been short of expectations. So... If you want to talk about it, 855-212-4227. Happy to take your call, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn. You can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word, at It's Vince Quinn. And when we come back, by the way, if you didn't see what happened with Clemson today, wild ride and a lot of big news regarding Trevor Lawrence. All of that is on the other side. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm 
You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So something admirable about a lot of great athletes is that the body ages, sure, but the mind is totally the same. That's super hyper-competitive, I'm better than this guy, if I was in my prime, I would beat that guy. You know, that kind of stuff comes up all the time. And it can be fun to, to look at past players and compare them to current players and who do you think's better and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's fun. Comparing errors is, I mean, nonsensical sometimes. It, it doesn't get you anywhere a lot of the time, but it's fun. That's why we do it. It's fun. It's interesting, right? It's fun to poke around and compare guys like that. So when I heard just a couple of days ago that Bo Jackson had the audacity to say, you know, if I was in the NFL today, I'd average 350 to 400 yards a game. What? Yes. What? 350 to 400 yards a game. Quarterbacks don't average that passing, okay? If you have 400 yards still in a game, that's an accomplishment. You know, that's that's a pretty good outing. Like, Dak Prescott had a couple of outings early in the season where he was throwing for over 400 yards. Now they were losing those games, but he threw for over 400 yards. He was on a record-setting kind of pace. That's insane. Even for the modern-day NFL with, hey, spreading the field and big points and all that kind of stuff. 350 yards is a lot of yards for Bo Jackson to come out and go. Yeah, I'd average 400 a game is like, all right, buddy. You know, he finished the statement by going and yeah, I would go uphill both ways to and from the stadium. Like just give it a rest. <laughs> no, seriously. Like it's over, you know, it's over for you. And and here's the thing too. I'm looking back on the numbers. Cause I was like, okay, Bo Jackson, amazing athlete. No doubt about it. You know, incredible player, had some injuries to cut his career short. I'm not talking about the length of his career, but the player himself and what he was capable of, what he actually did on an NFL field, massive, long touchdowns. And you go through the list. Yeah, he's got touchdowns in the 90s. Okay, he did it basically every single year. Great. I expect that from Bo Jackson. That's not surprising. But here's the thing. Bo Jackson in his career playing 10 games in 1988, nine receptions, 11 games in 89, nine receptions, plays 10 games in 1990, six receptions. What are we talking about here? If he was this elite pass catching running back at the time, if okay, maybe he could get in the 150 a week. You know, like those top-line fantasy football running backs. You see, like, maybe Bo Jackson could do that kind of of stuff. But when we're talking 350 to 400 yards, he's just disrespecting the game. You know what I mean? For what the guys... Stay in your lane. Yeah, stay in your lane. I hate to quote LeVar Ball, but you know what? Sometimes you got to do it. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. It's For this kind of situation, it's just ridiculous. Certain guys, we look at different players, and you go back in time, you go, man, if this guy was just playing in a certain era, like Mike Vick, what does he look like in the modern NFL? If he came out of the draft into this NFL, what does he look like? If Randall Cunningham all those years ago, if he came out today, what does he look like? For Bo Jackson, is it that different? Is it that radically different? Now, I mean, one, he didn't have a whole bunch of starts anyway. He would be in a committee situation now, and he's clearly not the guy catching all the passes. So I don't know where that comes from, but I saw that, and I just scratched my head, and and you just go, okay, this is just that athlete brain, and he can't turn it off. He just assumes that, yeah, I'm great, and here's the modern day, and, like, numbers are better. So clearly, I would be twice as good today. He's just, he's power tripping. 
So calm it down a little bit, all right? Calm it down a little bit. There's no chance he gets even remotely close to that, as great of an athlete as he was. Now, anyway, 855-212-4227 is how you join the show. And we've been talking a little bit about John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh to start things off here because Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, bit empty, bit of an empty career, empty calories, if you will, right? Good win percentage, a lot of wins, good record. But how is he against the big teams? How is he in bowl games? All that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't hold up. And so for Jim Harbaugh, you wonder, or I mean, for him, one, should Michigan keep him? No. You know, whether they fire him after this season or they write out his contract for the next season, should he stick around? No, they should find somebody else. But should he go back to the pros? Is he better off just going pro? And I've got a team that he should go to, by the way. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But 855-212-4227 is how you hop in. We'll go to Frank in Maryland. Frank, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up? Yeah, glad to be back with you. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, how would he look in a uh, Jets uh, coaching jacket or uh, Jacksonville. And I didn't want to steal your thunder. I think that's where you think he's going. No, he, actually. Now, the, the $8 million, now, I wouldn't I wouldn't give him $8 million. He'd have to come back to maybe five. And if he really wants to coach, he'll, he'll, he'll take less money. And then if he gets the first round, the Jets seem like they're going to get the first round pick. But who's to guarantee that Trevor Lawrence – might not have some ill effects from this virus. Well, that's actually an interesting point here because you look at and a lot of these guys, the the level of their ability to come back 100%, a lot of these guys have talked about the struggles of it. Von Miller said that before the season, and you know he's gotten hurt, so you haven't really seen him, but he didn't feel quite the same. There was a pitcher for the Red Sox that had to sit the whole year out. He was having issues with his heart. Um, Cam Newton got sick. And he hasn't quite been the same since he's gotten back for the Patriots. So there is something to be said for that, Frank. And and you also look at the idea that when it comes to Trevor Lawrence of this is why he shouldn't have to go through this whole season. He should have been able to just go pro or he should have sat the season out because now he's got COVID. Who knows what it does to his draft stock, what it does to his body. And that that's a big hit that he didn't need to take. So, Frank, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. But... You look at it, it's just like, for Trevor Lawrence, man, I just, I shake my head and I feel bad for the guy. Because it was all about, okay, how do we get him back for Notre Dame? And that's what they wanted to do. Now he's not going to be back for Notre Dame. And you go, okay, well, what does this do for the guy? You know, what does this mean for Trevor Lawrence? And that's a big question. And it can't just be taken for granted that he's going to be back and be 100%. Everything's going to be fine. Is it likely that he's going to be back and be fine? Yes. But it's not a lock. And for a guy that's got so much money, I mean, so much money at stake, uh, dangerous place to be for him, and I, I feel for the kid. Now, 855-212-4227. So, thinking about Jim Harbaugh a little bit, and for me, he's better off going back to the pros. I, I just think it's a better fit for him. Jim Harbaugh on the recruiting trail and all this different... He's done wacky stuff. I've seen profiles of him where they, they have the players at Michigan doing like sword fights, like learning how to sword fight each other as a training exercise. And Jim Harbaugh's there in his khakis and being like, all right, boys, we're going to go get them. Everyone's like, yeah, with their swords up in the air. Like it's a, like it's a game of Thrones scene that got cut. You know, it's just like this really weird experience. And I can understand being like 19 years old and being fired up by that. But also 
when the wins ultimately don't come and you are wondering about the success and you're wondering about the draft status and all those different things, like you are probably going to go somewhere else. If you're faced with another blue blood kind of program or Michigan, you're going to go to the other place. More likely than not, unless maybe you're a Michigan kid, but also, hey, they just lost to Michigan State. Maybe they're changing their mind and going down the street. So not a good spot to be in for Michigan. I think he needs to go back to the pros. And for him, job opportunity, job leverage, right? If at the end of the season, Michigan fires Jim Harbaugh, where do you think is a better opportunity for him? Whatever college is willing to have him as their first choice. He might be a second or a third choice at a bigger program, but he's probably not the first. So is that the better route for him to go or go to the NFL? Go to the place where he's been at NFC Championship games, where he's gotten to the Super Bowl, won a big game, quickly turned around a program in the 49ers. I think that's where he's got to be. And thinking about what's the good fit, right? Because you look around and in the NFL, I mean, some of these teams maybe. Like Jacksonville, yeah, but if they're getting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, is that exactly where the best fit is? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. The team that I'm interested in the most right now Minnesota Vikings. I wonder if Jim Harbaugh could end up coaching the Vikings next year. I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I I get it. But when you look at what just happened, you look at the track record of Jim Harbaugh, is it possible he gets fired at the end of this year? Absolutely. It should be. If it's not a real conversation, they're not doing their job at Michigan. It's that simple. So if he's going to be available, and I'm Minnesota, and hey, I love Mike Zimmer. I think he's a great coach. But he's been around for a while. He's had some good opportunities with the core of that team. They got close. They didn't get over the hump. And now they're one in five. Okay. They just traded Yannick and Gakwe. So when you pile all of that up, could Mike Zimmer be out the door? Yes. For a team with that kind of defense locked into Kirk Cousins for the next couple of years, can Jim Harbaugh come in and revitalize the Minnesota Vikings and make them competitive in the NFC North? Yes. That could be fun. I could see that turnaround. That's something that makes sense. And and another team that makes a lot of sense, by the way, also in the NFC North, the Bears. I could see the Bears doing this. Really, I could see the Lions doing this. Like any team that isn't the Packers in the NFC North, I could see them giving Jim Harbaugh a call. It might be harder for Detroit to sell it if he's getting fired from Michigan and then coaching the Lions, you know? So maybe, maybe they're not so attuned to that idea, but... They hired a defensive head coach at Patricia. If that's something they believe in and they think Harbaugh brings enough to the table in that regard, maybe you go with Harbaugh. Just something to consider. But there's a lot of places that I look around and I go, you know, Jim Harbaugh could be a fit in the NFL. I think he would get big interest. And there's place that ma- the places that match his style that are available or will be available most likely after the season. So something to think about. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. If you're a college football player or going to be a college football player, and let's be honest, you know you're Division I, right? You're good enough for that, but you're not going pro. 
I've got the perfect school for you. And it's not Michigan, by the way. As much as we were talking about Jim Harbaugh last hour, it has nothing to do with Michigan. I'm going to give you the ultimate school that you need to attend in just a minute. But first, we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. So, I got to tell you, I saw this and I was absolutely blown away. One of the most fascinating people in the world of football is Chip Kelly, okay? Chip Kelly, for the career that he had, the way that guy skyrocketed, his reputation at Oregon being this big offensive genius. I saw firsthand, I'm an Eagles guy. I'm from Philly. You know, I watched him and what he did there the first year. Oh, my God, he's the biggest innovator we've ever seen. He's the next Belichick. He's changing the sport, and he did. But after he made those changes when he first got to the big time, it didn't go very well for Chip Kelly. And in a couple of years, he traded everybody. He bottomed out. He went to San Francisco. He was there for a year. He bottomed out, and then he went back to college. And the Chip Kelly experience has been so fascinating because Chip Kelly's just a quirky guy. And he's very big on sports science, and he's big on, like, I read a story once that when he was looking at draft prospects, he was measuring the size of their kneecaps, and I just went, I love this guy. He's just, he's out of his mind in the best way at times, and, like, that kind of obsession with certain details, having these unorthodox philosophies that he really sticks to is fascinating. Now, again, at the pro level, it just didn't work, but for him to go back to college, you go, okay, well, maybe we'll see where this kind of goes. And for Chip Kelly, here's what's happened recently that's amazing, because the Pac-12 hasn't been playing yet, you know, but... uh, Here's what you look at. Chip Kelly right now has been spending all of the school's money on food. All of it. They're just, he is burning through millions of dollars a year. And the best part is the rate keeps going up. So 2018, I think it was the LA Times did a whole write-up on this. 2018, he doubles the food budget, okay? Double have a chicken breast. Hold the chicken. <laughs> He's not quite doing that. I think that's more of a college basketball recruiting thing. Um, But for Chip Kelly, here's what happened is (laughs) uh, he he offers these kids all this fine food. And what are they getting? Because when he doubles the food budget in 2018, you go, okay, well, he's got to be serving these kids some pretty nice stuff. Well, yes, he is. Chip Kelly will serve these players. Oh, nice plate of salmon. You know, all 100 of them. They'll, They'll get a nice plate of salmon. Cornish game hen, which I sound fancier just saying it. Cornish game hen on the menu for the UCLA football team. Get in your mouth. Yep, grass-fed flank steak. Guajillo chili chicken. Coffee braised brisket. I mean, what are we talking about here? It's crazy. What are we doing here? Chip Kelly is just spending all of the school's money on food. Not only did he double the budget in 2018, but he did it again in 2019. So this means that he's over quadrupled the budget for food at UCLA. By the way, with all that money spent on food and obviously nutrition, super important, sleep, super important. He used to measure urine on players. I don't know if he still does that. It it was super important. This is the Chip Kelly philosophy. Again, very much obsessed with the body. What goes in, what comes out, putting specific smoothies for players, all these wacky, interesting things. Chip Kelly, 2018, doubling the food budget, three and nine. Chip Kelly, again, doubling the food budget from 2018 to 2019. 
Four and eight. <laughs> How much are you salivating? <laughs> Uh, your salivation levels are great, kid. You're going to start this week, okay? How much are you salivating? <laughs> it's just, it's such a silly and ridiculous thing, but it's also the best thing to just think that uh, part of me wants to believe that Chip Kelly is using it as an excuse to get his players all of these crazy good meals, but really, it's just all about him. It's just like, hey, if I could convince the school to, to give me steaks every single day and like a hundred kids happen to get that as well, so be it. It's worth it for me. I'm getting steak every day. Chicken cutlet. Spaghetti with garlic. Oh, my God. The wings to go with the breast. I don't know what you are, but I'm going to eat you, too. That is special audio that we've captured of Chip Kelly at UCLA. He just can't help himself. Pork chops smothered in candy, apples, and onions. I mean, what better? Right? It, this sounds incredible. This is better than I eat. There's no doubt about it. I would better bet this is better than some professionals eat. And he's giving these guys at UCLA these top-level options all the time. Bad guy in little gold. <laughs> oh, man. It's unbelievable. It's so Chip Kelly in the best way. And, you know, who knows if it actually leads to anything. But they're eating well. So if you want to go somewhere, go play for Chip Kelly. You're going to eat like a king. Now, with that being said, uh, I want to get to something in the NBA here because, you know, the tough thing is you have the World Series going on, and there's just been a lot of things in baseball this week. You know, A.J. Hinch is back. Tony La Russa, he's going to be managing in the MLB. Um, you have the Steve Cohen drama where the mayor of New York didn't want him to own the Mets. We'll, we'll get into all that stuff in, like, 15, 20 minutes, all right? We're going to get to all that with the MLB soon. But that took up a lot of the news cycle this week. You've got, you know, the NFL is just always going to eat up the news cycle. Trevor Lawrence getting COVID, um, Justin Turner, all these different things, right? So one of the things that really slipped by, and I think is huge, huge, is the NBA talking about not just their start date, and the start date is fascinating and there's a lot of money on the line here, but the way that the NBA wants to conduct the season. This is a game changer, okay? Absolute stone cold game changer. Here's what's happening is the NBA, they're looking at this a lot like the MLB did to start their season, where for the MLB, they said, look, we're not doing bubbles. We're just going to have these guys fly around. We're going to limit the schedule as much as we can. So what did that look like? It looked like increased games against the division in that shortened schedule and just trying to keep things in that same region of the country. You know, East Coast teams playing on the East Coast, Middle America and the Middle West Coast playing on the West Coast. Just try to keep teams that are close to each other, playing against each other, limit the distance of travel, limit, limit the grind of travel, and hopefully you have less cases. For the MLB, that's what they did. They got through the season. For the, ML, or for the NBA, totally opposite end of the spectrum, right? They go with the super bubble. They lock everybody down. Some of the teams don't make it, and they just have these guys locked at Disney for a couple of months. They're not going to do that again. That's the problem. The NBA, for all of the money and effort and just logistical nightmare that it would be to have 30 teams play most of a season. And right now the plan is 72 games. For them to have that kind of plan, it's just not going to work. The players aren't going to go for it all the time away from their families. It, it just on and on and on. So the NBA has decided, again, like Major League Baseball, they're just going to go and they're going to play the games and keep everybody in the same region and hope it works out. But here's the thing that really takes it up to another level that 
I hope this stays forever. The NBA has decided they want to do MLB-style series, which that is massive news. I mean, we're talking about the structure of an NBA season as we know it. Dropping from 82 games to 72, not a big deal. I think even people who love the sport of basketball and love the NBA, they look at 82 games and they go, yeah, you know, I mean, we don't really need all of these, right? I I like NBA. Hey, basketball is great, but... Do we need 82 games in a season? No, you know, maybe 60 works. Like, that could be that could be a good, fun number. So, the drop to 72, not a big deal. But when you're talking about changing it, where right now, I mean, obviously, it's, it's going to be more regionally based, but to limit the travel, the back and forth of all of this, to have these teams play series against each other, that's great news. This is great for the NBA. This is one of those things. Like, last week, me and Graceffo, we were talking about the IR rule for the NFL, and it's a great rule. Uh, the IR rules of, hey, if you're injured for three weeks, you can come on back. That's totally cool. If you're a veteran player, you can go on the practice squad. You have protected players. So you can move extra guys up and down the roster. All those rules are great. The result of COVID, and that's something that needs to stick. And if the NBA is looking at series, they need to do this, and it needs to stick. It's going to be better. It's going to be so much better for the game if they can keep these kinds of series around. And why is that, right? If you think about series in the NBA and what that's going to do, I mean, one, it makes it a lot more like the playoffs, right? What's it going to be like when teams are playing a three-game series against each other? Three games in four nights, you know what I mean? What is that going to look like? It's going to be a lot more competitive because you've got this build-over from the previous night. You know, there's going to be that frustration that goes into it, that competition that goes into it. And more importantly, and this is one of the big things here, we talk so much about the NBA and how the postseason is so radically different, right? It's a whole different sport. The physicality and the intensity, uh, they're, they're part of the equation, but it's also all of the matchups, right? The tactical side of the game, the, okay, well, game one, this guy was giving us problems and they were playing this kind of defense, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to change up our rotation this way. We're going to attack that defense this way, and here's how we're going to win the game. And then you adjust again from game two to game three, from three to four, from four to five, and and so on. So that kind of adjustment, if you can get that in a three-game series in the NBA season and make that a little bit more like that playoff feel, you're going to get better play. You're going to get a more concentrated effort going into those games because now, I mean, you're just breezing from city to city. You're just trying to survive. Some of these teams, you you go and you're just like, yeah, we're playing Atlanta on the road. Who cares? You know, we're just going to get through this game and so be it. But, okay, if you think about that and you go to your first game against Atlanta and they punch you in the nose and they beat you for game one, well, you're going to want to come back and knock them out in game two, right? How do you change things up? How do you prepare? How do you learn from that? And how does that carry over throughout the course of the season if you're in the same division, right? Although divisions don't generally matter, you're going to be playing all these games. You're going to be playing all these series against each other. How does that matter within the conference? How does that matter? How does that translate during the playoffs, right? It's going to look a lot better. I think it's one of those things when you first hear it, you hear, oh my God, they're going to play series in the regular season in the NBA? Like, they don't need to do this. They're not baseball. Why not, though? What's the harm, right? That's the thing that I look at. I don't see a downside to this. It's an easy sell. The only thing that possibly hangs this up is if you're playing a team in the Western Conference, you're probably going to play, you know, instead of a home and home, you'll play a two-game series. Like, if you're in the Eastern Conference, you'll play against Houston, you'll play two games in Houston, and they won't be coming to your city that year. Fine. They'll come next year. They'll come the year after that. However the scheduling works out, you'll figure it out. But 
to have those series and force those adjustments and have that physicality and intensity and story of a series is something that, honestly, baseball doesn't even have. Right? Not in the regular season. I mean, there's the significance of the record in the standings and all that different kind of stuff. I get that. Divisions are far more important in the MLB than the NBA. But here's the thing. It's more of an individual sport. Right? It's a team sport, but we know it's not. Not exactly. The pitcher matchup is going to change every single day. So the lineup is going to change. Lefty, righty, all that kind of stuff. It's just going to be fundamentally different anyway. But when you've got the same set of NBA players and stars going against the same set of players and stars, there's no major changes in the dynamic. It's just one day to the next. You're going at each other. That's going to build something. Your game one to game two, I mean, think about it. For you as a fan, you watch your favorite team in the NBA. They play a game. It's a, it's a tough division matchup. They lose the game, okay? And you go, okay, well, what now? How do you adjust from game one to game two? How do you hold the coach accountable for making those adjustments, praising them for making those adjustments, or crushing them if they don't? A player that constantly gets beat by a certain matchup even when things change. How much do you show your hand against the team that's in the conference if it's a big matchup? If you know that down the line you could be playing each other in the second round of the playoffs and the conference finals, there's just so much more gamesmanship that goes into it. To me, that's just fundamentally better. And if you can have things where the back-to-backs are more sustainable because you're playing in the same city for a couple of days, when you're doing a road trip, okay, it's it's a long road trip, but you're just playing a couple of series and then you come on back and you're not making that road trip again, that's a good sell. You know, keep people in the same area for now and limit COVID as much as you can and do the series because of that, but keep it after you do. Like, I love this rule. I Honestly, I think series for the NBA is as good as it could possibly be And they need to keep this thing just right here, right now, not even seeing it on the court yet. The potential of it is so incredibly great, and they got to do it. They got to do it. I love this idea. So I'd love to hear from you on it, 855-212-4227. That's how you get in, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn. We're going to go to, uh, let's go to Thomas, who's in New Orleans, by the way. Thomas, you're on the air. What's up? John, um, two things. Uh. P.J. Fleck, that's who Michigan needs to hire, period, end of story. Ooh, um, okay, P.J. Fleck's a phone. Why do, why do you want them to hire P.J. Fleck? Because he's, the, he's probably the right guy at the right time. I mean, he's he's like a, he's like a freaking energizer bunny. I mean, have you hear, heard this guy talk? I mean, good Lord. I mean, he just, I mean, he, it's like, you know, he, he goes to the bathroom and he's psyched up about it. It's crazy. I just, I just, I just like the guy, and I think that's probably what Michigan needs. Uh, I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm obviously a uh, SEC guy, but uh, I would like to see the program do well. And quite frankly, I, I don't like Harbaugh at all. Anyway, well, yeah. Uh, so no, and I hear you because Fleck has been a very exciting guy, and you see what he did last year and how Michigan was really on the come up, some big wins along the way. And yeah, his speeches were getting a lot of attention because he was firing people up. And so, can he be that recruiter? Can he be a guy that makes a lot of noise for Michigan? Now he's got a little bit of a track record, although you know he lost to Maryland, and that's gonna that's gonna get him some fuss in the moment. But big picture, has he done enough? Can he generate that excitement? Get the most out of that program? Know enough about the region? I mean, Minnesota and Michigan aren't exactly right next to each other, but does he know enough about that area to help in recruiting? Like, there could be enough well, things there that you know, makes sense for the leap. I, I think Michigan's in a spot where, you know, you, you give, a, give a, a guy a chance, you know what I'm saying? And I think if, Pete, if they give that guy, if, you know, if they give P.J. a chance, I think, you know, it'll reap some benefits. Yeah, certainly uh, could. A, a, sec- a second reason was my man Bo Jackson. 
Um, I don't know how old you are. I'm 52 years old, so okay. I grew up in I grew up in the era of you know Bo knows this, Bo knows that. That guy is the greatest athlete I have ever seen in my entire life, and he is the only person, if I'm if my information is correct, the only person, the only athlete to be um, uh, uh, an All Pro or or an All Star in both baseball and football in the same season, mm-hmm. and that my friend, is um, unbelievable. I don't know if Deion Sanders did it. I, I have no idea. And, but that guy is um, – he's crazy good. And he was, he was one of the first guys, I think, that said, hey, Tampa Bay, I'm, you, know, you draft me. I am not playing for you, man. I'm going to play for the Kansas City Royals. And that's exactly what he did. So, having said that, I think he put the skins on the wall. And, yeah, what he said, was it, high, was it hyperbole? Of course it was. Yes. But I think – I think Bo Jackson has earned the right to be hyperbolic, if you will, and um, just because of the, the 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 things he did in two sports at a professional level. Yeah, no, so, and, and I've heard it a billion times that he's one of the greatest athletes ever. And Thomas, I appreciate it. Like, I'm not trying to say he was a bad athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but for him to just assume that he would show up in this NFL and be so much better than everybody, it, it sounds crazy to me. I mean, you think about. The, the quality of the league, the quality of running backs in the league, guys that come and go. Uh, I mean, you get a guy, like, for example, right now, San Francisco, anybody that plays running back for San Francisco is suddenly a top five running back in the league. I mean, it's crazy what they're doing over there. So, oh, you look at, at the league and the success. You look at how defenses have changed. I mean, now you don't have, like, hulking linebackers that are 300 pounds. You know, you've got guys that are, like, 250, 260. And so when you've got that kind of athleticism all over the field, would those guys be able to track down Bo Jackson a little bit faster? Yeah, I I think they would, you know? So there's all sorts of elements that go with it. It's not just, is he a great athlete? Would he still be a great athlete? Yes, but how has the game changed? How much does it change to the point where Bo Jackson is doubling or tripling the output that he gave in previous years? I mean, it's just, it's silly. You know, I, I love his energy. Don't get me wrong, but to say he's going to put up 400 yards a week is ridiculous and demeaning to all these other guys who do a great job right now. So, anyway, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So, just a really weird week for baseball, and I want to get to that in just a moment. But I just realized, like, I was going through on Twitter during the commercial break there. And if you ever want to hit me up, anything I'm saying during the show, you want to reach out, Vince, that's a great take. Vince, that's the dumbest take ever. Um, will you date my daughter? No, I'm taken. Sorry. Um, you, you can always hit me up at It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word at It's Vince Quinn. And I'm going through and naturally, you know, it's Halloween. 
So I'm going through the timeline, and it's typical Halloween stuff for the most part. It's, you know, people getting their dogs and treating them like babies and babies being treated like dogs and putting them all in just little costumes that you think are funny and trotting them around, which, hey, fine. Love a good dog or a good baby in a costume. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? It's hilarious. Um, some of the finer qualities of, of both of those specific beings. Now You're a loser. <laughs> well, that aside, here's the thing. I, I realized as I was going through the pictures, because I've seen a lot of young kids you know, people posting like their seven-year-olds going out trick-or-treating and whatnot. One of the things that I feel like as an adult, the joy of Halloween is the whole idea that when you see these kids coming around, you know what they are. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, okay, that kid's a zombie and that kid's a ghost and that, oh, look, it's Mickey Mouse. Oh, you're so cute as Mickey. That's a great costume. It's Elsa from Frozen. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to die. It's so cute, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff like that that typically makes it appealing for you as somebody to hand out candy. It's you at least get what the costumes are. But as you get to this point now where, you know, pop culture is all over the place these days, it's almost impossible to get a hold of it all. The number of shows that somebody tells you, oh, I love this show. It's the greatest show ever. You need to watch it. And you've never heard of it in your life. You know, what is that like on the kids level? You know what I mean? How many networks are making kids shows now? What's on YouTube TV or Hulu or Amazon or Netflix to go with and not Quibi, but whatever's on any of those networks that, you know, isn't even on the thousands of regular cable stations that already exist. I'm looking through the timeline at these kids that people, they're posting pictures of their kids trick-or-treating in these costumes. I have no idea what they are. You know, it's just one of those weird changes where unless they're dressed up as an athlete or like an obvious traditional Halloween thing. I've maybe it's just because I don't have a kid. It, it's just one of those weird things to look around and be like, I have no idea what these kids are dressed up as anymore. I just don't Who have cares? any clue. Not me. Yeah, well, Graceffo, I mean, come on. You're, you're not in the holiday spirit, Graceffo. You're not a big Halloween guy. No. I, this is shocking to me. This is devastating. This is this is a thing for children. There's no need for adults for, to do this anymore. Okay, wait, do you this, have this? Should just be over. Did did you dress up for Halloween like in college? No, you didn't. Did you go to Halloween parties in college? No, you didn't. I well, know, very popular guy. Well, apparently, I mean, my, my goodness. So, when was the last time you think you actually dressed up for Halloween? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, twelve, thirteen. This is not meant for adults. This is meant for chill. <laughs> you're you're to take your child with you around your neighborhood to get candy. This is all it's for. <laughs> Nothing, no dumb parties. Nobody throwing up on your shoes at like three o'clock in the morning. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Uh, this should just be over. I don't need to see people in the supermarket dressed up as whatever. And these are just two adults walking around in the supermarket. Yeah. This should just. This shouldn't exist anymore. Uh, well, here's the funny thing. To me, Halloween has become more of an adult holiday than a kid's holiday. Yeah, and these are the adult. These are the adults that are the problem. Like, stop. Stop having fun, adults. Just stop having stop fun. Stop enjoying yourself. Just stop enjoying. Stop having fun. Stop enjoying yourself. <laughs> like, enough is enough. Like, how many Halloween costumes could you possibly go through? Like, how long are you going to keep doing this? Till you're in your 40s or 50s? Yes. Like, enough is enough. Why? Because. Just stop. It's fine. It's not meant for you. 
It's not meant for you. It is now because again, no, it's dude, not. Yes, it is, dude. It, Halloween one. Halloween has gone from a single night for kids to like a three month or three week extravaganza full of all it's sorts of bar tours. It's not supposed to be. It wasn't, but now it's it is. It's not supposed to be. It is though. This is this is just people who refuse to like give up their childhood or give up being kids at all in any way. These are the same people that live with their parents still. Like most of them probably. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, being a kid is great. I love it. I'm just going to dress up as whatever I want. And I'm still living with my parents, and I'm in my 30s. Yeah, I I was this close to coming in in costume tonight. I, I really was. I was. I'm so glad you didn't. I would have <laughs> laughed at you. I feel like I should have done it now just to tick you off. And guess what? Nobody knocked on my door to to ask for candy. Thank God. Nobody bothered me. Nobody, <laughs> like, nobody walked up to me in costume that I don't have to, like, worry about people in... Some strange get up a coffee. It was great. See, I, I haven't had kids come by my door in a little while. And I, I've lived in, like, right now I'm in a big apartment building, so fine. I don't expect kids to come by there. But living in a, a row home for a while, you know, in a big, busy neighborhood, I had, like, three kids that came by, had the lights on, had candy ready. So, one— Great. It, it's for them. I, you well, don't need it, the, the parents was. knocking on your door, dressed up as Frankenstein, taking your— Whoppers or your well, milk yeah, duds. I'll, I'll say this. I think there's an age limit for trick-or-treating, and I say that one on the top end where, like, okay, once you're, like, 15, it's like, okay, kid, you know, maybe you shouldn't be trick-or-treating anymore. But it's also the bottom end of the spectrum. If you have a kid that's, like, a year old and you're actually taking them around trick-or-treating... Yeah, you're, they're in it for the candy, candy, these people. Yeah, they're yeah. stealing candy from you. Yes. They couldn't have just gone to the local Target and paid the five bucks for the big bag of candy. Exactly. These people are thieves. Yes. That's I, what like, they are. I don't have the guts myself if somebody showed up with a one-year-old for me to go, listen, pal, I'm not giving you candy. You're a thief. But That's yes. what you are. And, and don't if, forget it. Yes. And if somebody if somebody came to your door with a one-year-old. And you've used your child. So feel good about using your child exactly. and being a thief. It's a good prop. You know, you get the likes on Instagram. Fine. I'm all, uh, again, baby. That's all the people care about. Well, mostly. And they stole your candy. <laughs> so how, like, oh, these are upstanding citizens? Get out of here. Yeah, no, it, it is funny because now, like, a lot of trick-or-treating, and I'm not complaining about this, but it's clearly different where be, they go to a community center on a Tuesday afternoon, and that's how they do the trick-or-treating now. You know, you're not going house to house, and I think enough people are fine with that and whatever. I don't care enough to make a point about it. But when it gets to the point where you don't see kids on Halloween and the day itself has just become, a, it's like St. Patrick's Day, but it's not Irish, you know what I mean? Like, right. This is all turned into debauchery and ridiculousness. Yes. This is what this is. Yeah. And these are all like hoodlums out there throwing toilet paper at your house now, too, and eggs. <laughs> wasting eggs. Like, what kind of people waste eggs now like we're this? we're talking about the sanctity of egg supplies? Is that what we're worried yeah, about now? Yeah, of course we are. We're kind of in a rough pot spot right now in life. How about you not waste the eggs? <laughs> No more dying eggs on Easter, by the way, too. That's out. There's no more of that. Yeah, that should be done, too. We're trying to keep, like, there's going to be a food shortage again here soon, probably. Care about the eggs, folks. It's all about the eggs. If anything, Halloween is about conserving eggs. That's what we've learned. Well, that's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to get to. By the way, this show is sponsored by eggs. That's it. It's, it's no brand. It's just eggs in general have sponsored the show. 
the generic eggs. That yeah, you can it's, use it's just eggs. It's just like a, it's a a chicken conglomerate somewhere where it's a bunch of chickens making backroom, you know, behind the barn door deals, and they're supporting the egg industry in a shady manner. That's what leave we're the Halloween by. to the five year old and twelve to twelve year old children. Enough. Yeah, if Enough. don't trick or treat with a one year old for the love of God. You're a thief. It's yeah, you're a thief. It's just not right. Buy your own candy. So anyway. <laughs> We just covered a lot of ground there. Uh, Nobody cares about your Instagram likes. Yeah, so if... <laughs> at the expense of my candy. <laughs> if you want to get in and, and talk about Halloween, why not? 855-212-4227. I wanted to get into a lot of baseball stuff, and, you know, we, we just went down a, a rabbit hole there, so so be it. We'll get to more baseball on the other side, because it was just a crazy week for baseball. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, England's favorite morning show. Vince Quinn here with you on CBS Sports Radio. It's a morning show. It counts. We're after midnight. It's a morning show. Um, Anyway, I've got to play. I'm going to play something for you in a minute. It's just the greatest play you've ever seen. I also got to brag about my Sixers a little bit because, oh, my goodness, they did it, baby. They did it. I can't believe they did this. What the Sixers pulled off this week is a Mr. Magoo-style heist of the century. It's amazing what they've been able to put together. So, it, And by the way, I know the vultures are circling, all right? I see you out there. I follow Twitter. I look at all the trade rumors. I see the articles getting written. All right, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and you're rubbing your fingers together. Get out of here! All right, they're ours. They're ours, and, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But... First, I do have to play this because, again, oh, my God, this is just absolutely insane. Okay, here's the situation. Rutgers is playing Indiana. The game is over, okay? It's 37-21 to 21 Indiana. Rutgers has 4th and 32. 4th and 32 with two minutes left in the game. And this happens. Federal's in the gun. He's got three receivers left. They've got seven defensive backs dropped left. Here's Jones making the catch, a little lateral to Bo Melton. Melton trying to lateral it back to, to Vedral, who laterals it to Raekwon O'Neal, who just <laughs> stood up high in the air. It's caught by Jones back at the 25. He cuts left to the 30, flips it up in the air. It's caught. Now who's got it? It's Vedral. Turns, throws it back. Rutgers has got Jones at the 50, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. He's going to go. What just happened? You have to be kidding me. That was Bo Melton on the most unbelievable, ridiculous Cal Stanford of 30, 40 years ago copycat play. And it didn't count. (laughs) 
it goes. I mean, and the call is amazing, by the way. It's Chris Carlin on Rickers Radio. Is because yeah, at first he treats it exactly how he should treat a play like that. It's fourth and thirty-two, and the game is over. And he starts. And can, you know, can you just play it for a second again, Graceffo? Can you play this real quick? Here's the listen again to the, his tone at the beginning of this call. Federal's in the gun. He's got three receivers left. Okay. Got seven defensive backs dropped left. Here's Jones making the Ready catch to go the lateral to Bo Melton. Melton yeah. trying to lateral it back okay. to Federal, who laterals it's, it to It's just kind of funny, you know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> and then eventually throughout that call, which, by the way, that play from Rutgers, which didn't count eight laterals, eight laterals, it took 33 seconds to run the play. 33 seconds for a single play. That's the most mind-numbing, ridiculous thing that you could possibly say about a football play. And it scored. And then, sure enough, one of the laterals, and this is why it got called back, one of the laterals was considered a forward pitch. Which, come on! I mean, come on! Like, if you're the referee, I know you got to follow the rules, but... It's not like the flag was obvious and everybody knew about it when the touchdown was scored. If you watch the highlight of it, there's no, like, marker on the bottom icon or anything. It's just like the, the play happened. There's nothing at stake here. Just give him the play. It's That's one of the craziest plays you've ever seen in your life. I just eight laterals, eight laterals, and it didn't count. It was a wild ride, though. Hell of a play. Um, so, anyway, I'm Vince Quinn with you here. And we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. Now, one of the things I want to get to here, we've been talking about a lot of different stuff, and I, I got to get to how everything changes a bit in the East with this Sixers move, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, all that. But first, we got uh, Chris in North Carolina hanging. Chris, what's going on? Hey, Jeremy, man. I appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, thanks for calling. I'm usually uh, I'm from New York. You know, moved to North Carolina, but uh, I figured calling the Detroit station, this Michigan game today was just abysmal. Yeah. As a diehard Michigan fan, I can't I can't take any more of it. So I figured Halloween, I'd vent to you. I don't know if you can help me out. Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Do, like, sec- do these secondary DBs, like, turn around ever? Like, if I have to hear about Don Brown's defense one more time when the secondary can't turn around and look at like a ball coming to him, I, I can't take it anymore. Well, yeah, they got crushed by uh, what was it, a freshman that, from Michigan State that routed him for like 190 yards today, I was like 185, 195 yards. Yeah, he crushed him. You know what I want, Jim Trestle. Really? Okay. Why Jim Trestle? Why not? Think about it. Right. <laughs> Think about it. Right. He's only 67. Right. Ohio State did him dirty with the tattoos and all that other thing, right? He's got a little bit of a vengeance. Like, I know he's an Ohio guy, Akron-type guy, but imagine Jim Trussell coming into that program. Jim Trussell was a very prominent figure. At Ohio. He did great things with Ohio State. I, I don't know what I, I – I used to love Jim. I, I was a big Jim supporter. I just – I'm at a loss of words with this. Like, I look at Pep Hamilton – Look at Pep Hamilton right now. I think he's with um, uh, he's he with the Colts? coordinator with um, oh God, I forgot who he is. But I know he's, he's like, with he's the Colts doing... for a while. I, I yeah, forget where he is right yeah. now. Is he still there? He's, Chargers? He's, okay. Yeah, he's doing really like he's doing really good. With, yeah, exactly. He's doing extremely good with Herbert out of Oregon, right? Like, remember Pep? Pep was the offensive guy with Jim. I guess this Don Brown defense. 
is all about a pass rush, but always gives up extreme yards down the field. I can't take it anymore. Well, yeah, and you shouldn't take it anymore. Chris, I appreciate it, man. Like, the Jim Harbaugh experiment, he's showed you exactly what he is at this point. He's been around long enough. Like, how long can you watch all of this with Jim Harbaugh and believe he's going to get over the hump? He's not going to do it. This is his sixth year. He just lost to Michigan State. He's lost to Ohio State every single time. You know he's going to lose again. It's it's just not there. It's not happening. He's good enough to beat the bad teams. He's not good enough to beat the elite teams. And for a program like that, with expectations like that at Michigan, it's just not good enough. So they're going to have to go another direction. And it's just for Jim Harbaugh, is he better off? And does he want to stay in the college game and probably take a step back or does he want to go and try to be a pro again and go back to the NFL? For me, he should go to the NFL. If I was the Vikings, just shaking things up, not an indictment on Mike Zimmer. I think he gets a head coaching job somewhere else immediately. But bring in Jim Harbaugh. See what you got. Because right now, it's not working. It is just not working up there. But anyway, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn. You can always find me on Twitter. At it's Vince Quinn. So... I got to tell you, these past couple of weeks, been a bit of a personal roller coaster for me. Been a bit of a personal roller coaster. But my Philadelphia 76ers, they're making some big news. Oh, yeah. Daryl Morey, he's in the fold. Doc Rivers, he's in the fold. And things are about to get crazy. Seppo loves this song. So, <laughs> no, I, I'm honestly for the Sixers, the last couple of years, I was so in on Hinky in the process. Give me tanking to the extreme. Be shameless about it. Have a rookie of the year and trade the guy immediately after he gets the award. That's all good with me. I'm down for it. If you don't believe in the players, if you've got a bigger picture, assemble 5 billion draft picks, have picks 10 years into the future, do it. Do it. If that's your plan, go for it. Go all out. Be you. Be the best version of it, right? That's what I'm here for. That's what Hinky was all about. He got fired for that because he was way too rogue and the NBA wasn't about that life, but I respected it. And it was a fun ride. It was crazy and it was fun. And since then, the Sixers have been miserable. Miserable. It's not even a love-hate relationship. It is mostly hate. I have, I have hated watching the Sixers, following their ownership. There's a lot of different things. They're miserable. But now, they just looked at Daryl Morey. It was, it's crazy that Daryl Morey decided, hey, uh, you know one of the most dysfunctional franchises in the NBA? You know the team where, like, the superstars, who knows if they actually fit together? One of them gets sad a lot and, and decides he's going to play here and there. Um, he, he has weight issues. Another guy just doesn't like to shoot the basketball. Let me go there. Like, it's amazing. I don't know what went on in Daryl Morey's head that he decided that the Sixers were the destination for him to go through, but... I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I mean, if I'm going to trust anybody to make the decision when it comes to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons of who's going to stay, who's going to go, do you keep them together, what do you put around them? Daryl Morey, absolutely. That guy gets it. Is there anybody in basketball that can make moves, that can build a roster to the extremes like Daryl Morey? His center this year was 6'9", okay? His center, his center was 6'9". 
This is the life that he lives. He is a dangerous man on the edge. He's basically the Dosecki's most interesting man in the world. I love Daryl Morey. He's a wacky character, okay? So as long as the Sixers aren't banned from every outlet in China and they're willing to spend money, then I'm great. I'm great. And for all you vultures, again, I know you're out there and you're looking at Embiid and you're looking at Simmons and you're going, oh, let me fire up the old trade machine. No, 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 no. Not so fast. Okay, not so fast. Not so fast, because here's the thing. Everybody wants to know who's getting traded, who's it going to be, because this is the society we live in. This is the state of sports talk radio. As soon as you have something, you've got to put one thing against the other. It's got to be one thing stays, one thing goes. This thing's overrated. We don't talk about this enough. I get it, okay? It's exhausting. So what if they were actually going to give it a shot with those two? Radical, I know, but... They're going to let Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons play a year together, okay? So get the trade machine and throw it in the garbage. You don't need it right now. It's not going to happen. So for the Sixers, they're going to see what happens with Doc Rivers, with Sam Cassell, with Dave Yorger. They've got all these guys that are going to be head coaches, are head coaches, all together in one room. The clout of Doc Rivers making these decisions, being the coach of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, how much does that change things? For the Sixers and the Al Horford contract, the Tobias Harris contract, can they get rid of all of that junk of what was supposed to be a contending roster in the East this year and totally remodel that? With Daryl Morey, anything's possible. Daryl Morey is Willy Wonka. He can, he can do anything. I will believe it. Maybe he has a bunch of geese that just happen to be laying golden eggs in the Sixers front office. I believe it. So what is he going to do? Unless he sees some opportunity where he can upgrade from Embiid or Simmons, and that's a hell of a statement to make, those guys are going to stay put. And that's what you got to do. You know, I I have doubts about those two long-term, but they clearly, here's the problem. What you need to do in the NBA is you need to build around somebody, Okay. You have to pick a star player and say, this is our star player, and this is going to be our big engine that drives the car, and we're going to build everything around that. Now, yes, you have tiers of stars in the modern NBA. First star, second star, third star. That's a lot of how it is these days. And so I get that. But it's built around one guy being the top option, another guy being the secondary option, and another guy having to fit into being the third option. When it comes to Embiid and Simmons, it hasn't been built around either of them. So... It's been terrible basketball. Not a surprise. But can they turn this around? Are the Sixers actually going to be a legitimate contender in the East this year? Yes, absolutely. I don't know how they're going to do it because, again, you know, Willy Wonka's got to show up and and make some magical chocolate here. But until he does that through the offseason, and I figure he will, the Sixers are going to be in a lot better shape. Can Doc Rivers coach that team in a better way, build it around Embiid or Simmons, I figure he will. You know, for the issues with the Clippers and him getting fired, it may be Ben Simmons' playoff P, but I haven't seen a lot of Ben Simmons in the playoffs. He's a younger player. I'm going to give Doc Rivers the benefit of the doubt here. So I love what the Sixers have done. It's actually a team you can believe in all of a sudden, as hopeless as they were. They didn't deserve Daryl Morey. They didn't deserve Doc Rivers. But in part, and this is the lesson of the NBA, if you've got star talent, people will want to go. They'll play for you. They'll play with you. They will sign with you. And now that the Sixers have the legitimacy, front office, coaching staff, star talent, 
even if it hasn't reached its full potential to start talent. That's a place that people want to be now. They've got status. They've got cachet. And that's that's a game changer. It's a big-time game changer. So we'll see how it all plays out. It's going to be miraculous, and they're going to win 15 titles. So there you go. Now, 855-212-4227 is how you joined the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. You can hit me up on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. And when we come back, if you didn't see this week in Dallas, oh, boy, it was fun. Keep it right here.